Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Theatre Feuds, the game show podcast from Relish Theatre. I'm Rob Ellis, and fighting today in this one-off Christmas special are Tatty Hennessy, Georgie State, and Millie Rolley. So pull up a chair, grab yourself some Yule Log and a mince pie, and prepare yourself for some theatrically-based festive arguments. Hello, one and all, and welcome to Theatre Feuds. Every episode, we take three contestants from the world of theatre and make them fight it out against each other, all in the words of mindless, stupid, do the washing up with us on in the background entertainment. The rules of Theatre Feuds are very easy. Simply make a better argument than your opponent. Our contestants have prepared answers to some theatrically festive questions and are sitting down to fight for why their answer is best. It's not about what you answer, but how you answer it. The best argument will win two points. The runner-up, one point. Last place, no points. The two highest-scoring competitors will make it through to our grand final speed round. Shall we get on with it? Let's meet the fighters. Firstly, she's directing More Drum Ghouls, Mary's Babies at German Street Theatre next year, and her aptly named play, A Hundred Words for Snow, is transferring to Trafalgar Studios and it's off in a UK tour. It's Tati Hennessy! Hello, very happy to be here. Hi! Hi. Um, what's your uh, favourite thing about Christmas? Uh, I love Christmas dinner. That's probably a really basic answer. We have a tradition in my family as well that I thought that every family had, that apparently they don't, where we give the turkey one last flight around the house before we cook it. So me, at, my mum carries it and we all run behind her cheering and we fly the turkey. Does anyone else do? No. That, that's, I, I mean, thought everyone cooked, did it. Cooked. No, raw. Raw. And we're, not, we're not animals. <laughs> I think raw's creepy. Also, someone pointed out to me saying turkeys are flightless birds. <laughs> so it's not, even, it's not even biologically <laughs> apt. We do it every year though. Gives us joy. So that's maybe my favourite thing about a Hennessy Christmas. <laughs> And it's my new favourite thing about Christmas as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks. Uh, next up, she's joint AD of Flux Theatre and she directed their most recent show, Chutney, at the Bunker Theatre to critical acclaim. It's Georgie State! Yay! Yay! I've got a round of applause. <laughs> Thank you, started my time. Hi, Georgie. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Very, very happy for you to be here. Um, what's your favourite thing about Christmas? My favourite thing about about Christmas is the is my granny's um, feud, actual kind of yearly feud where whenever anyone opens a present, they have opposing views on it. So my grannies are both kind of on their own. They both come for Christmas. And whenever anyone opens a present, they'll just pick directly opposing opinions <laughs> on the present and then argue it out. One of them has the last word. So if someone op- opens like a jumper and tries it on, they'll be like, oh, bit small. And then be like, fits perfectly, bit small, fits perfectly, bit small, fits perfectly, bit small, fits perfectly. And they'll just end it and it's just so brilliant. It's the best thing about Christmas for me. It's like this show. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Get a good practice yeah. for Christmas Day. Yeah. Uh, and finally, she specialises in inclusive theatre practices. It's taken her this year to China through her work with Chicken Shed. It's Millie Raleigh! Hello. Hello. Millie, Christmas, favourite thing? The That everyone takes lighting more seriously. <laughs> so everyone thinks, oh, fairy lights are a good idea, because I think they're a good idea all year round, personally. 
Um, I take my lighting very seriously, lamps, etc. But like the Christmas tree and the way it looks and the fact that everyone sort of creates a good ambiance in their home and doesn't just go for the bare exposed light bulb. No, there's not one in this room. Sorry, <laughs> yes. Um, Millie, you were you were on our very first show um, way back three years ago. Um, have you got any any tips for uh, for Tansy and Georgie for today? Probably even though you have to, don't take yourself too seriously because <laughs> you might end up getting saying something that's really embarrassing and you'll, you'll forever be in sort of, uh, online. yeah, online. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I <laughs> don't want to say, don't want to be a bad sport, basically. No. I'm telling myself that as much <laughs> as anybody else. <laughs> um, so let's get started. There will be uh, three questions in this first initial round. So all our contestants have prepared answers for them. They will be marked on creativity, facts, passion. Um, the winner of each round um, will receive two points. The runner-up will receive one point. Last place will receive nothing. Um, the highest two scoring contestants from the first three questions will progress to the final round, our speed round. Is everyone happy to get started? Yes. Fantastic. Um, so nothing to say other than let the feud begin. And our first round is an old favorite. So, Willie's What and Why is our Shakespeare question. Today, the contestants are arguing which Shakespeare tragedy would make the best pantomime. We are starting with Tatty Hennessy. Hello, Rob. I feel like I've been given kind of an unfair advantage in going first because it meant that <laughs> I can choose the only one of Shakespeare's tragedies that I think already is a pantomime, uh, and that is Macbeth. Uh, and it features every single one of your favourite pantomime cliches ready to go in the script already. So... Pretty easy. Pan- Macbeth, Panto, done. Macbeth, nice and easy. Uh, Georgie, what have you picked and why? Right, I have picked um, King Lear as my um, Shakespeare pantomime. Uh, partly uh, because I think there are two ready-made dames in Goneril and Regan just waiting, waiting to come out. I mean, that's one of my primary reasons. Um, and secondly, because I think the Fool and King Lear just make a brilliant little comedy duo, I think. Yeah. Nice. And Millie, your choice. Romeo and Juliet. Okay, and why? Bums on seats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So we've got uh, Macbeth, we've got King Lear, and we've got Romeo and Juliet. So Tata, let's start off with you. Why Macbeth over King Lear and Romeo and Juliet? And a bit more about your panto. Right, well, first of all, I think you've already got so many moments for all of our favourite cliché panto panto staples. You know, you've got, where's Banquo's ghost? He's behind you. Is this a dagger that I see before me? Oh, no, it isn't. Uh, you know, you've got eight fairy godmother, three fairy godmothers. Uh, get the song sheet down for double double, throwing out chocolate, toes of newts or whatever. Get the kids involved, very important at Panto. Got your casting. Uh, so I think the obvious choice for the dame, Lady Macbeth. If you want to tell me you don't want to see a bewigged Clive Rowe squeezing stage blood out of spangly marigolds, wailing out down the spot, I think you're all right. That's his next Olivier. Long overdue. Uh, plus, you've got my favourite part of any panto is the children's community chorus. We all love. We all love a children's community chorus. Super glue some sparkly twigs to their heads and adorably festive Burnham Wood. I think it's great. <laughs> Solve one of the great staging problems and make it adorable and get the community involved. I think it's a winner. Amazing. Um, and why not the other two? Because they're not as good as that. <laughs> <laughs> to the point. Fair enough. Georgie, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess for me, 
I don't know Macbeth hugely well, and I saw a production of it a couple of months ago, which cleared nothing up. <laughs> neither, will, neither will my panto. Cleared absolutely nothing up. I honestly have seen it eight times and still don't understand the plot. And um, I just think it's quite confusing. There's, there's too much. It's, it's, it's a problem play, right? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's Shakespeare's famous problem play. So putting it into a panto form, I'm not sure that I'm not sure it's going to help us. I would, I would say the same thing can be said of King Lee. Though. Right, right. I don't sure. think I've ever understood King Lee. Should we just swap notes on these <laughs> plays? Just, honestly, I, it's the, it's, I did an A-level, so I thought King Lee is a safe bet. I understand the plot. Oh, it's all coming out now. <laughs> now the truth is out. where I am with King Lear. Um, tragedies aren't my strong suit. No, I'm joking. Um, I also think that music is one of the... Um, one of the best things about pantomimes and current songs. Mm-hmm. And I think with King Lear, you can have um, the Stormzy scene. Oh, great. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. You can have, I think Goneril and Regan could kind of do some kind of Ariana Grande type kind of <laughs> yeah. cover, something like that. Um, and our King Lear, God, what could he do? I don't know, he'd go like Buble type, Buble type kind of Christmas, <laughs> Christmas crooner, something like that. Um, so mine, I guess, is, is slightly built around a musical concept. Um, which I, I don't know. I feel like yours might be might be lacking, Tati. I don't I don't want to get out the guns too early. But <laughs> okay, I mean, there's so many brilliant all female trios that we can oh, move on for the witches. Just oh, saying, that's, that's going to be great. Destiny's Child. Also, we don't have an old man being blinded. No, that is true. It's hard to make Christmassy. That it is <laughs> famously hard to make Christmassy. Yeah. But I think you make it into a kind of oh no, he didn't. Oh yes, I, I don't know. That's all I've got for that. I mean, I think in terms of old men being blinded, in many ways. Well, I think that personally, <laughs> thank that you. They've for both got me. a bit of um, bit of too much violence, and then I know my Romeo and Juliet. Well, personally, I think there's just good old fashioned sword play, mm. <laughs> and everyone else has Famously got a bit of that kind violent. of like. Yeah, but it's just easier to get on board with because you just tuck it under your arm. No, it is, and yeah. the kids are kind of like they've seen that before on the on the video games maybe. So it's less like oh you know because I think isn't there just a lot of like beheading and a lot of like just a lot of like cold blooded murder. There's quite, like, a yeah, quite a lot yeah, of regicide. Yeah, a lot of regicide. It's quite hard mm. to get around that. The king's very festive. Um, <laughs> it is festive. I do think so. My I've got a premise for Romeo and Juliet. Um, I've got some notes on my phone. Oh my I god, she's got notes. Like, so you've got your family feud, and I appreciate that you've got your family feuds pretty much in every Shakespearean tragedy, but that's something we all have at Christmas. I've kind of gone for a rival dance mum style, Romeo and Juliet, so okay. that the two families um, both think that their children are born to be stars, but they would <laughs> <laughs> want, they don't like the other family as a result. You've got your mas- masquerade ball, which is good. You've got to get all your flips and your tricks in there because you need to have those in um, tumblers. They always get tumblers in the cast for a panto. Um, I think that they're, what they would do in Romeo and Juliet is probably, we'd go for a novelty ending. They wouldn't actually die. They'd actually, it would all be a kind of decide to fake your own death so that you can run away to Broadway and have their names <laughs> in lights. Um, uh, the nurse is the villain, actually, interestingly. Mm. Um, I think she's kind of like kind of a double agent in many ways. So there's that element of like the whole, she's behind you. I know she didn't, she plays the, plays the sort of innocent um, I think she'd be played by Joe Brand. Oh um, yeah, great. Romeo Beckham is playing Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's a seat filler, isn't it? There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, I would say that that is a big thing. You don't want a half-empty panto audience. So you're not a bit young. Um, fight. Uh, I do think. Um, 
there's like they're during the fight scenes what we do is have the audience have their own glow stick swords and then they, you like fight for, you shout out which one you or think like a Coldplay concert yeah a little bit like that and then um, <laughs> I think Ben Bernier would be the charity bucket run <laughs> So you need a charity bucket run. So he's kind of like the little bit, acts a little bit like the narrator fairy type because you need one of those in the pants as well to help the audience, mm-hmm. a bit more audience interaction. Mm-hmm. So he sort of gets the audience in the in the zone. Um, and this is where I sort of veered off into a strange realm with my idea. This is where. Um, this is where. <laughs> uh, turns out at the end as well that Juliet isn't really into, um, into Romeo. She sort of like did it for her own means. But she's also lesbian so she runs away with the production manager of her broadway show leaving romeo alone he's happy for her but he feels a little bit rejected but what we do then is we have a football number where his dad makes a cameo appearance (laughs) and everyone in the community chorus comes on in a football kit and then we just do a big because panto now as far as i'm concerned is filled with the most random stuff it doesn't adhere to the story it doesn't make any sense but everyone loves it so you've got to do that I mean, I think it's a great panto. I just don't know that it... I think it's maybe veered so far away from the original premise of the question, it's sort of... (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of no longer Romeo and Juliet. Like, I want to see that panto. But it's it's not Romeo. (laughs) Because there's been so many Romeo and Juliet's been put on, you want to subvert expectation. And then therefore delight your audience. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all about... see my face on the word delight. Uh, uh, I haven't heard much about King Lear. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we want to hear a bit more about King Lear. Yeah. Okay, so um, I'm kind of flipping... What what I want is King Lear to play a kind of Father Christmassy character, which I know isn't necessarily tradition in pantomime. Um, But And then there'll be a family feud about who inherits the North Pole, essentially. Mm. So kind of Mm. sticking quite originally to the story, but obviously having Goneril and Regan as the two dames, um, Cordelia as the kind of outcast, slightly strange character that she is. Um, The Fool, I think, would be a kind of... I I mean, I know it's a classic Christmas casting, but... um, Reese fans that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of casting there like your buttons um, my what your buttons my buttons your buttons <laughs> what are you saying though buttons you know buttons my the character like Cinderella the character buttons. buttons oh right sorry sorry yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was talking about me personally I was like what are they undone <laughs> what, what do you mean um, yeah um, so I think yeah, as I said, there'll be a lot of popular music in it. That's kind of what would dictate a lot of... Because that's honestly one of my favourite areas when they just stick kind of Stormzy mm. and Cinderella and it makes literally no sense. Mm-hmm. But everyone just gets on board with that Christmas spirit, really, don't they? Um, yeah, so I guess... I guess I think, actually, Tati, to answer your question about the, um, the eyes early, we might make yeah. it into kind of comic gore. Okay. A lot of that kind of thing. So make it into kind of just huge like do it with a lot of glitter and tinsel so kind of pull out a whole reel of tinsel from his eyes and make it into more of like a festive comic gore I guess how are you both going to get around the fact that both your plays have like men wandering around rambling madly about things because I don't think Romeo and Juliet has too much of that there's a lot more swooning Uh, everyone loves a bit of swoon Stormzy 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 yeah 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 What about you, Dusty? Just, <laughs> just, just fill the rambling with Christmas puns, and it's basically what a panto is anyway. Yeah, I think. 
Yeah. yeah. I think as well, I, I just, I question it. I think mo- pantos have to have a moral heart to them as well. And I think that mine is the one with, with the best moral, right. I think. Uh, what's the moral again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> it's don't, check in. Right. don't kill, don't kill. Don't which I think is a really no. festive... <laughs> Whoa! So let's let's make this controversial. Real world incorrect topical. Ooh. Yeah, don't don't kill. Which don't is kill. I think is a really right. strong message for the holidays. No, it is. I think it's a what's little your, what's your moral? Um trust Kent, I think. <laughs> Anyone called Kent is trustworthy. Trust the county of Kent. Honestly, I believe I believe that's utterly <laughs> true. Trust the whole of Kent. Trust I just oh, think the county, the person, just Kent generally is solid and dependable. Mine is and it's the it's be your dream be your own dream oh, and I goodness. think that's really important don't let anyone pressurise you into being who you don't want to be that's so uh, a really quick roundup why yours is the best and why the other two wouldn't make as good uh, a panto so Tati let's start with you uh, Macbeth because it already is a panto and I don't have to change it to make it work King Lear because um I mean, I kind of get the thing with the festive tinsel pulling mm. out. I feel, feel maybe that veers more into like a Halloween show. Mm, sure. I just feel like the violence in there is, I just, for me, not quite Christmas. Right, sure. Uh, and Romeo and Juliet, it's a, it's a panto I want to see, but is it is it a Shakespeare panto? Jury's out for me, I'm afraid. Um, King Lear because you've got a ready-made Father Christmas right in the centre for you there and I know Father Christmas just dispute that (laughs) you really have and in my version you really will be full of festive cheer and merriment Um, and and surrounding it you just have so many ready-made pop stars and dames just ready and waiting Um, not the other two because I feel like you've essentially just rewritten Bend It Like Beckham for the West End (laughs) I think it's lovely but I think it's um, it's played Plagiary, to be quite honest, and plagiarism. Plagiary isn't a word. Um, and Tatty, I honestly just don't like Macbeth. That's really as simple as it gets. And I don't think I'd like the. I mean, that's not personal. You didn't write it, but um, you know I... what? <laughs> be, let me just explain. There would be like the original script would be there. There would just be a lot of knowing winks. <laughs> this is how it's really gonna go, guys. <laughs> um, uh, and I do think like mine's a like, m- ball. Masks, sparkles, tumblers, light up swords, Broadway stars. Um, it's got, it's like very quick. It's quite, we've got to pace it up a little bit. I, I honestly think that both of yours just drag heavily. It wouldn't and drag. I think that honestly the kids would fall asleep. There'd be a lot of booing. Clive not at keep the it going, villains, but at the whole, the whole production. Okay, right. Let's call it there the first round. And what a doozy that was. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, oh so, ridiculous. <laughs> how do you unpick these? We we, the, we possibly lost King Lear earlier than we should have done. Yeah, I think possibly. Yeah. I mean, he's not Santa. Yeah, no, yeah. it's true. <laughs> it wasn't well thought out enough. It wasn't well thought out enough. I didn't. Although I love Stormzy, I love the yeah, idea of Ariana Grande. Yeah. The music concept, Ariana Grande. superb. Yeah. Um, but if our main argument against Millie is it's not Romeo and Juliet, that ain't King Lear. <laughs> a play about Santa. Um, so it does take it down between um, Romeo and Juliet and um, Macbeth. And this is this is genuinely really really hard. Um, I think it's going to come down to who argued the best because I can't really pick between the two shows. So who I who I thought gave the best arguments overall. 
and I'm slightly leaning, perhaps a bit of experience coming into play. Millie Rollet <laughs> takes the first two points yeah, of the round. Tati will take one point for her production at Beth. Georgie still to score, but surely in the next round it's surely. Oh, for sure. surely. I'm, I'm about to, to load it. Right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. Fantastic. I'm really regretting what I'm about to say. <laughs> and so on to the next round. It's Castaway! So Castaway is our sort of dream casting scenario. Um, we want to know who should be cast as Scrooge in next year's very likely Christmas Carol revival and we start with Georgie State um, my casting for Scrooge is Noel Fielding um, okay. because I think he's probably the best man alive in Britain and he um, toes the line perfectly between uh, grumpy and Christmas merriment and I'll give you some more reasons in a second very good uh, Millie Rolly. my casting is David Tennant very good because he uh is one of the most genuine men. I think in terms of acting, I just believe him, and I think the nation believes him. Yeah, it's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Tati Hennessy. Well, I think it's a real travesty that, in all, to my knowledge, within the production history of this play, that is really all about ghosts. A ghost has never been cast uh, in the lead part. So, my, my casting is. The ghost of Patrick Swayze. <laughs> right. Don't know why you're all laughing. I think uh, that, yeah, okay. That's uh, let's let's start with Georgie. Um Yeah, why no Why no building? Well, I think one of my primary reasons is that he would look absolutely brilliant in a night in a night shirt. We know Noel Fielding's selection of shirts (laughs) from Great British Bake Off, and my god, he would look (laughs) so good. And a little Christmas hat. Um, secondly, I just think he's hilarious, and I think more um more comedy brought into Scrooge, the better, the less taken seriously, the better. And thirdly, I think we have a really good premise for the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, the ghost of Christmas future in the bake off. Um, Great British Break Off format. Mm. So he would be visited by Mel and Sue in The Ghosts of Christmas oh. Past. The Ghosts of Christmas Present would be kind of him and Prue Leith and Sandy Totsvig. And The Ghosts of Christmas Future would probably be kind of Paul Hollywood, who's taken over the world by that point. He's Prime Minister. That's oh, a dark um, vision of the Yeah, it's a dark, yeah, but I think it's it's realistic. So yeah, I think um, that's. <laughs> um, yeah, that's why I would cast Noel Fielding. Uh, Millie, uh, Tennant. Why Tennant over Noel Fielding? Oh, uh, because purely based on the performance ability um, in this particular role. Mm -hmm. Because I think that this role really requires um, a good actor, an actor who's really good at showing how they've been humbled by an experience. And um, that I'm just thinking about that moment when he sees his own grave and... I can see the tears welling up in David Tennant's eyes. Mm. Um, there's something about his ability to feel, he's so organic and he's really, there's no, I think every night would feel different. Um, I think he'd bring a freshness to the role continuously. He's not like a parody of himself, which I think Noel Fielding is a little bit. Uh, I think a bit, a little bit gimmicky on some level with the think, casting. Do you think the world's not seen a hundred different David yeah, Tennant versions like of David Tennant? Tennant late. fatigue a do little bit. You know what bit. I mean? Yeah. I'm like, mm. can David? Can we just not cast David Tennant in something yeah. for once and not have him do a bullshit? Well, see, here's, no. Here's the thing, right? I think Scrooge is 
I do think Scrooge is always going to be cast as a specific kind of person, kind of actor. And I do think that's because the role is this angry man who needs to learn a lesson or two. And I do think in a way that's there's something about that part of the story which needs to be held on to. Um, and I do think it comes down to, yeah, like I said, that, that ability to uh, show a genuine transformation in terms of uh, moving from one state of mind to another. And uh, also David Tennant is a clown and can uh, do the bits that are clowny. You know, towards the end when he's stuck, he feels his lightness in him. He's got great lightness in him, like dark and dark and light. Absolutely, he has darkness. He is, just watch his his NTA uh, (laughs) person of the year (laughs) appreciation video. Uh, I've seen it millions of times. It will convince you that he's right for the part as well. I love him so much. (laughs) He's just Doctor Who to me. He's always, whenever I see him, I just think. Yeah, but Doctor Doctor Who is so many different people. I've never seen such passion. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like it's so sincere. I just honestly want to genuinely believe in his talent. Genuinely believe in his talent. Over it, over him. Why why the ghost of the (laughs) past? Yes. (laughs) Great question. (laughs) A lot of us around this table are asking themselves the same thing. Uh, so we've got a whole spate of, of you know, big celebrity broad, uh, Hollywood stars coming to perform on the London stages. And I think Patrick Swayze never got his chance. And he's one of the greatest actors, most lovable and beloved actors of the last last century. I think he's a triple threat. He can sing and dance. Very important for Christmas Carol. The only version I know is Muppets, but I'm guessing the original is also a musical. So that's very important. He has first-hand experience of the afterlife, so I think he'll really be able to bring some heft and some knowledge and some insider uh, uh, background and method to those interactions with the, with the spirits. I think it will really give those moments of reality. Like we've talked a lot about making those really incredible situations credible, and I think Swayze he could do it in but life. He himself isn't a ghost, Scrooge. No, he's not playing a. I mean, that's really I think reductive to think that he can. <laughs> yeah. that ghosts can only play ghosts. I think in 2018 we've moved beyond that narrow-minded thinking. Actually, Georgie, I think he, we're cross. It's cross-casting. He's a ghost playing the live. I think it's a really interesting comment on spirituality and our attitudes to the afterlife. Um, plus, I mean, plus, he could make. Listen, if he could make Ghost the movie credible, I think that he can make interacting with ghosts sure. as a ghost in a Christmas carol. Do we think it takes away from the stakes of being confronted by a ghost if you're a ghost yourself? Do you know what I mean? I think for a lesser performer, perhaps. (laughs) But um, I think that Swayze... Right. Has the chops? I mean, I mean, I get, I mean, I keep coming back to it. Look, also, you got don't nobody puts Tiny Tim in the corner. I mean, it's just yeah. oh. it's good. think of it. Think of all the back catalogue that you can. I kind to. of feel like he's a bit too Greek god like to play Scrooge. I think Scrooge's a bit of a withered kind of person. He's been so worn by his. Whereas Patrick Swayze has that kind of vibe about him that he's just been on a holiday. I think, um, maybe, I think maybe the Swayze of our, of our memory and of our imagination, we sort okay. of see him through these rose-coloured glasses of, you know, the dirty dancing era. But I think sort of later life Swayze, I think he could kind of bring that sort of... Gra- I mean, it'd be a very different kind of Scrooge, I'll give you that. But I think maybe the world's ready for a different kind of Scrooge. I think we've seen a lot of, a lot of different adaptations and I just, I think Swayze will bring really different flavour. Plus, you know, I think it'd be the first time a ghost has performed um, a leading role... <laughs> 
in in a, in a in a major play in London. You know, I, you know. I really thought when you were leading into who you were going to say that you were going to cast a woman. <laughs> I was like, oh, Tatty's gone all feminist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> yeah, I should have. I should have cast a female ghost. Really, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's all being subversive that, in many ways. Um, <laughs> why why the ghost of Patrick Swayze over Noel Fielding and David Tennant? Well, again, I mean, I feel like David Tennant, I mean, he's a phenomenal talent, but I do think I've seen him, I've seen him do a lot of things. Um, and I we think... don't see him do much theatre, I'd argue. We, it's a different I... medium for him. I he does know. has done it, but we doesn't do it I as feel much. We saw his Richard II, we did, he did Hamlet, mm. he did Benedict. I feel like, you know, give someone else a crack, you know. Patrick Swayze's not done a show on the London stage before. I think let's, let's, give, Swayze, let's give a ghost a go. Let's see what they can do. Um, and Noel Fielding, like, again, I love him, but I think he's just, he's so impish and cheeky. I don't know that he could bring like the, the weight and the heft, the moral heft that this play. It's a moral yeah, I story. Agree. And I, I think he'd be too subversive of the show itself. He'd be con- kind of commenting on it. A bit the caricature, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think. I don't think you've seen Noel Fielding's range, really, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you've Maybe really I tapped haven't. into him. I'm I think sorry. you've just gone, oh, ITV, big ITV drama, David Tennant, and you haven't really watched The Great British Bake Off and The Mighty Boosh and seeing the incredible range and weight of characters he can play. Um, because but I think he's only playing one character in, in No, I'm, in The Mighty Boosh, I mean. Right, he has I a okay. huge range of characters. He can play tragic, my God. But also, I think he can bring that impish charm that Scrooge wants and needs, or that our adaptation, or that my adaptation of Scrooge wants and needs. Word against Patrick Swayze is good? Um, I, any word against <laughs> where to bloody begin? <laughs> Outrageous. No, I'm joking. Um, I think, I think this is style over substance, Tatty, for me. Um, I think, I think you've got a concept. Which Noel Fielding famously <laughs> isn't guilty of. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> I, I, I just think the ghost of Patrick Swayze, having a ghost play that role for me, um, doesn't really land. Very good. Okay. Uh, so let's round off on that one. That one was a more serious round. Uh, so um, in third place, and it is and it is close. It is close because it has its own merits. Um, but I do think there was a very strong argument that was made, um, which was that we have really been seeing a lot of David Tennant these days. What? I mean, I mean, You're David Tennant. Devastated. Or, or, <laughs> so actually, that is just my face. Or, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so much passion behind David Tennant. Like, I think I need to let go. Don't yeah, I? <laughs> a little bit. He's a bit. He'd be great. He'd be fantastic. But in the style, you know, in the spirit, we've seen him a lot these days. And I think that was. A very, I think that that was an argument that pushed against. And we didn't really have an argument against that. I don't think because he has been on the London stage an awful lot in recent years. Yeah, I take back what I said about that. Yeah, yeah, that sort of, that sort of knocked him out. And I have seen all of those productions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was just giving a quick Google uh, there, and it was about like five in like five years he'd done or something like, oh, right, right. ridiculous. So good for him. Yeah, 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 fantastic. I don't think he needs Christmas Carol as well. Um, but Millie, you probably had the uh, one of the strongest arguments, which was that Patrick Swayze. He he ain't got the body for Scrooge. He is a bit of an Adonis. I did I did think that was a, an argument that did sort of knock it out. So if we sort of you had want to, to find, him in a night shirt, right? <laughs> I mean, sexy Scrooge is not a thing. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yet. <laughs> I mean, we're not here to kink shame anyone, but um, I do think on this round, uh, David Tennant 
takes uh, third place. The ghost of Patrick Swayze takes second place. <laughs> in first place, hey, Noel Fielding. Noel Fielding. I think we can all agree. Thank goodness. So, uh, a quick bit of maths on that. Millie is on <laughs> two points. Uh, Tatty's on two points. Georgie's on two points. Oh We're all goodness. tied up going into the final round oh of God. the first round. Awesome. 99 problems, but a pitch isn't one of those. So the pitch round is, as it seems, the contestants must pitch their own show as best they can. This time, we want to hear about the next best production about Santa. We need to hear a title, a venue, a writer, director, a lead actor, and a unique selling point. We're going to start with Millie Rollo. My new show about Santa is interestingly not necessarily directly about Santa. It's called Mm. Santa's Ho Ho Ho's. It's about the women behind the male legend. It's uh, written by April DeAngelis in a kind of playhouse creatures kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the director. Um, Santa is played by Olivia Coleman in a fat suit. But she only really does like a something towards the end. She only comes in towards the end. So sort of in the last third of the play. No, not even that last quarter. Um, and Mrs. Claus is played by Nicola Walker. It's quite an edgy kitchen sink drama vibe with the odd sort of like um, rousing musical number thrown in. Um, it's about the the venue I have not yet thought of and I will think of it in a moment. As we go around, sorry about that. Roll call. Sorry, I don't. Know. Not not roll call is probably like quite likely because it's got that. Cause, <laughs> it cause has got that vibe. Yeah, yeah that's so, it. That's so it. Roll well, we'll go for roll call then. Right, brilliant. Santa's ho ho ho's at the roll call. Yeah. Uh, Tati, Hennessy, your pitch. Hi. Yeah. Similarly, I think I'm interested. I mean, every time we see a play about Santa, it's got the man himself front and center, and I'm interested in sort of behind the scenes infrastructure that keeps him afloat. I mean, this is a man who's very much in the public eye and yet has never had a scandal. You're telling me there's not an NDR in his past? I think that he must have a, a extraordinary legal team uh, but keeping all these scandals at bay. And so my, my production is a sort of really tortuously detailed legal procedural about Santa's legal team dealing with a Christmas time scandal. So Ray, fi- <laughs> Ray finds his Father Christmas as you've never seen him before. It's three and a half hours long. It's called Subordinate Clause. It's by David Hare. It's got an all white male cast. Nicholas Heitner will be directing it at the bridge next year. <laughs> Very good. And uh, Georgie State, your next hit show about Santa. Um, yeah, I've kind of worked from the outside in, in that I came up with Ooh. a pun and then based a share on that. Excellent um, working method. So it's called um, Claustrophobic um, <laughs> and it is the story of St. Nicholas from um, the 14th century to 2019. Um, it's an immersive show at the Barbican. Um, it's a very small audience um, taken um, from that kind of original St. Nick in, um, in the 1300s, um, which will be played by Ian McKellen. Um, to the modern day um, 2019 Santa Claus um, who'll be played by um, Joe McKeldry um, and <laughs> it's, um, it's directed by Blanche McIntyre it's written by Lucy Preble um, the best kind of political and personal uh, combination and really it's about the ultimate um, globalisation of Christmas 
and um, how it started its humble origins in um, a kind of uh, in a monastery in Turkey to um, that's where Saint Nick started and um, ending in essentially um, Coca-Cola stealing Christmas really um, so that's that's my pitch and it'll be at the Barbican if I didn't say that it's at the Barbican yeah. so we've got uh, Millie Rolley uh, ho-ho-hos at the Royal Court no Santa's ho-ho-hos sorry Santa's ho-ho-hos at the Royal Court um, Tassie's fighting for subordinate claws at the bridge and George has gone for claustrophobic in a motor show at the Barbican brilliant so solid we'll, puns we'll everyone. start with Millie so pretend that the uh, Georgie Tassie pretend you two are West End producers and Millie's pitching a show to you what would you say in return so would you see this as a main space show or is this is this an upstairs or a downstairs which one's the main space again? Downstairs. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, see, this is the thing. Whenever people say I'm going up, so I was like, well, great. <laughs> um, which one? Downstairs. downstairs we're, yes, going, we're going downstairs. Nice. And do you, and do you, how, how do you see this set? How are we marketing this show? Who is your audience? Um, I think my audience is... Um... <sighs> So I guess what concerned me was the kitchen sink drama edginess well, yeah. next to the musical. Yeah, when I say ki- when I say kitchen sink drama, I kind of feel like you know women around the table kind of vibe. Like you know, again, sort of when I was thinking of April Andrews, Andrews I love the way she captures the, the rhetoric between the women and the, mm. the conversations they have backstage in a very enclosed space. Mm. So it's kind of so a similar kind of uh, feeling that they're sort of in a, in the workshop area. Mm and um i don't feel it's about like the relationships that those people have it's about the way that they do a lot of the work around around the year and santa kind of takes all the credit for it um and i do think that it's something that quite a lot of i think like it would be quite a bawdy language again like quite bawdy language i think sometimes i think like the way that we'd sell it is that something that is a comedy and so it would get it would it wouldn't just be getting in all your sort of like intellectual types looking for a uh um, it's probably a little bit like more sellable than something that would feel like oh I'm just going to go watch something that's just like a group of people doing a very straight play and it's going to be quite mm. boring it's, and because of the like, musical numbers um, which start to like we start pretty early on I think that that could bring in a different audience as well it's a bit different for the Royal Court to have some musical numbers in what there what kind of musical numbers are we talking yeah. about? Kind of um, quite like a bit like um a bit follies okay. you know like quite like <laughs> wow. Yeah. wow that's quite the statement that... like you know how you know Imelda Staunton yeah sure oh, you just that bit yeah, yeah. Like that kind of stuff as well, right? That kind of thing. Juxtaposed to the kind of naturalism of the kitchen sink drama, that's going to be yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. No, I like Thought that. this through, I really have. No, yeah, it sounds yeah. good. It sounds good. Okay, great. Time for your revenge. Uh, time for <laughs> uh, subordinate claws at the bridge. Yes. You two are working for the bridge. Um, <laughs> as if <laughs> they don't have a literary we've got to all tread tread carefully here um, I believe in this I like pitch so much I've jeopardised my on. career there's some taut irony going on with Tati's pitch which I enjoy heavily I don't know so, what you're talking about <laughs> so Tati subordinate clause right is that what it's called correct yeah um, who who wants to see it who's our audience Daily Telegraph readers. Right, sure. And uh, conservative readers of The Guardian. The, which I imagine is what the audience of The Bridge is. Yeah, audience. great. I think it really fits um, with your cause. It feels in a 2019 era that we should be shifting away from that. So just tell me kind of why 
I guess. I agree, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> and so, yeah, so I guess, um, I guess why, where does this show have a place in our society? Well, moment? I think that it, it's, it's a, a prominent, public, straight white male figure who's in a position of authority, yeah. who's a household name, who perhaps there's something in his past that needs to be brought to light. I think that's very relevant in the Me Too era. Sure. And I really think that, that David Hare and, and Nicholas Heitner are the ones to sort of to tackle this, this story. Mm. Into How, what's, the, um, what's the poster? Um, the poster because for me that really draws the audience in yeah. yeah no I think that's a really a really good point uh, so I think what we really want to emphasize the fact that this is kind of like a backroom sort of drama so I think it's like sort of like kind of how you might imagine like a poster like Glen Gary Glen Ross that kind of really sort of office-y sort of environment but with like something juxtaposed I imagine like, like a Daniel Day-Lewis style yeah, kind yeah, of yeah yeah but then yeah. with like just you just kind of see the outline or something of the red hat or like the or the boots like something iconic that says this is a Christmas story but it's in this sort of more corporate legal setting so I think it's really juxtaposing those who's two your lead actor again uh, Ray Fiennes Ray Fiennes that's yeah, Father Christmas yeah and he'll win the Evening Standard Award yeah, for that I absolutely. guess so that would be another <laughs> sticking point um I think it's the role he was born to I've play. never warmed to him ever since I saw Made in Manhattan. That's the point of his casting. That's right. why That's why he's cast as this. It's, it's taking this I have figure... such that, an aversion you know, to, to That we think of as this warm, cuddly figure, but I really want to explore another side, another side to him. Okay. How accessible do you think this is for the layman, this, this, this show? Absolutely the not Christmas at layman. all. Not at all. Um, I'm, I, I really don't believe in pandering to an audience. I think that what audiences want, from my understanding of the yeah. popularity of David Hare's oeuvre, if, I don't even know if that's how you say that word, I've only ever seen it written down. I don't know what it means, so you're in, you're in good hands. Carry on. Uh, is, you know, they want, they want tortuous, gritty procedurals. They want, like, they really want the finer points shy, yeah. of legalese. They want, they want, really want to get into that kind of... How office. do you stop people leaving in the interval? There will be don't no interval. Don't have an interval. <laughs> no, that's... Yeah. People have got too used to going to the theatre for like enjoyment and comfort, and I just think, really, they need to they want to learn something. But at Christmas time... Yeah. Do not want to delight your audience. I accept this for the other 11 months not of the all. year, Tatty, but not for December. No, not at all. Like, no. Yeah. Okay. Just no. I do think, <laughs> this the, is I do the, think the red is, in a black and white this is poster the thing has theater. been done. This is the theatre. Now that you yeah. said that, I do think that, that, that poster theme is we're a bit co- like, we're, oh... We're diff- commenting on that, yeah. we? on that okay. trope, I think. Yeah, we're yeah. positioning ourselves very knowingly within the world of that trope, but commenting on it with a festive slant. Right. I would say. Yeah. Um, finally, it's time for claustrophobic at the Barbican. Georgie states, uh, Tassie, Millie, what do we like about it? What do we? What do we? What, what, what questions do we have? So you're saying that it's 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 small groups mm. on an immersive, mm. but it's the Barbican and it's celebrity. Not costumes. the Barbican main stage. Right. Okay. Right. The Barbican have so much money that they actually don't know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to pitch them this, and they'll go thank. Christ, we have somewhere to funnel all of our money. Did you, did you say it was promenade? Uh, yeah, 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 Mercer promenade, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Okay, and how does. Tell me, talk, talk, talk about the title. So, mm-hmm. how does the title uh, reflect on the story? Sure. Um, because it starts in um, a very, very kind of small room yeah. in, in St. Nick, the original St. Nick's um, Covent in Turkey, Covenant in Turkey. Um, and, re- and you're taken through kind of narrow narrow passageways, which is all quite small, and then it ends in... It's not um, very inclusive, then. 
inclusive of what how do we, how we how many people are going to get to see this show oh well it's small it's good it's small audiences so it's absolutely really very specific niche audience sort yeah. of. well not niche i wouldn't say niche no i'd say we're making we're making tickets um accessible to all they'll be priced at 10 pounds oh, wow. um and there'll be a ballot for them um wow. so okay. yeah yeah, well, that's good. Mm. But um, how long does the run is the run for? The run is for uh, the month, the advent of Christmas, from the first to the twenty fourth, mm-hmm. um, and there will be three shows a day. Okay. Yeah. Fine. That's good. Yeah. I think one of the problems often with that immersive theatre is sort of safeguarding your actors from from the audience. People can feel like they can get. How are you going to protect? Sure. Make sure that your cast. Are... Well, I think Ian McKellen can fight his own. Can fight his own background, can't he? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to tread on his toes. But I feel like Ian McKellen and Joe McKell. <laughs> are both very very independent men and I think they um, we'll, we'd also train them up obviously in, um, in taekwondo and jiu-jitsu it's <laughs> part of the process yeah. Yeah, excellent okay let's, we're going to go around quickly one more time we're going to put uh, our contestants on the spot mm. the tagline to their show we're going to start with uh, Santa's Ho 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 the tagline is I think I've already said it the women behind the male legend oh, very nice very good uh, the the uh, the tagline for subordinate clause is uh, Father Christmas like you've never seen him before. And the tagline for claustrophobic is an epic odyssey through the centuries of Santa Claus. Okay, very, very good, and we'll call around on that. Okay, good. Th- I mean, it's hard, isn't it? I think the first thing we could say is. I like um, that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go see that. Yeah, um, I, I can imagine all of these shows existing um, at their at their respective <laughs> theatres. So um, I think the question is, which one, which one do we feel like would be put on tomorrow because of how well the pitch was done? Um, <laughs> hmm, uh, I think there is. I think I know where first place lies, but I'm not sure where second and third place lies. On the basis that uh, we, uh, the, on the basis that we're going to basically give away who um, has won this round, um, I need to hear a little bit more from Millie and from Tatty as to why, why these shows, why now, why today. I think we love seeing. Um, I just think it's really important. Like what I want to say is that these women aren't like the stock types of women that you're gonna get. And I do think like a script that brings out like the filthier side in women, the, the the things that you might not see behind the scenes, the things that you share that can that that's sort of like uh, shared experience that women have. Um, I think that's something that's really um, that it's quite enjoyable to watch. I think that the whole Olivia Common in a fat suit thing is quite exciting. <laughs> I think um, the combination of like the, because I think, well, for example, Follies did so well because of that sort of the, the epic scale of it. And then like the the way, again, how women are exploring women's inner worlds and the kind of the, the light and shade of those inner worlds and the dreams that like fall short and all that kind of thing and I kind of really want to explore that within this show but in a more contained space um, uh, um, I think that's why it's important I think that's probably why it's more important than seeing a group of men argue about legal matters about men and I know that it's supposed to be ironic what? but my like the group of men talking about how a man's yeah, done yeah, something wrong yeah. um, I, d- I just don't think that uh, even though it's ironic, 
obviously I just don't think any of us care enough. I think one of the things that for me has really been missing in the way that we talk about Me Too movement and, and prominent men in the public eye is that we sort of, we're very good at talking about individual, individual public figures uh, doing bad things, but we haven't yet talked about is the power structures that let them get away with it. And that's what this play is about. It's much more of a, it takes a broader view about the legal structures that allow prominent men to get away with what they're doing, which I think is something that has been kind of missing from our talk about this. Yeah, it's quite a conventional, uh, uh, one might say quite small C conservative and maybe large C conservative creative team. But I think that we have a real problem in theatre as well, I think of preaching to the choir, that I think people who have come to see your play will be people who already believe all the things that you believe. My goal with this play and with this company is to make those those make those telegraph readers, those conservative guardian readers who don't think that they care about Me Too and the power structures that support abuse of men, to get them to come and see this play thinking they're just going to go and see Do you think that that's going to change their mind? Because I think that's... I don't know, but mm. it could do. It could make them think. I think they're not going to get through the door of yours. They are going to get through the door of mine. This is a, this is a really, <laughs> really, really tough one um, to, try and, to try and decipher. Um, I think uh, these would both be... Well, I think Santa Soho Hose, I would go and see. Um, <laughs> I would go and see <laughs> I don't think anyone uh, of our sort of generation um, would really go and see subordinate clause. That being said, the argument of getting people in the door that need to see the show, because we we, we are preaching to the choir with at the royal court no, with yes, Santa Soho Hose. True, you're right. It's a big issue that I can't tackle here single-handedly <laughs> in, in your flat, Rob. <laughs> to get out on the streets. My gosh. So I think, we were, we, is, it, is it about the show we want to see or is it about the, the people that need to hear the message? Well, Rob, that's your decision. That's my decision. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Millie. <gasps> Point two, subordinate good, clause. because I'm now in the position of power. Yeah. <laughs> this feels this like is where she a big metaphor to to. for society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel awful. <laughs> um, see it next year at the bridge. You probably will. Um... <laughs> So, congratulations, now, Georgie. You are going into the final round one point ahead of Tati. Uh, so the speed round is the same form as the main show, except the contestants are only hearing the questions for the first time. The first to shout an answer must answer first. They have 15 seconds for their first argument and then a 10-second rebuttal. And now Millie will take the role of the judge. So if you've made some enemies, beware. <laughs> are we happy for the speed round to begin? Yes. Affirmative. Then let the speed round begin. Okay, here we go. First question in the speed round. Who would cook a better Christmas dinner? Mrs. Lovett from Sweeney Todd, or the entire cast of The Play That Goes Wrong? The entire Mrs. cast Lovett. of The Play That Goes Wrong. Okay. Uh, so, Tati, you start. I think one of the questions we always have at Christmas is what should be the central meat? And lots of people don't like turkey, lots of people don't like goose, there's always an argument. Mrs. Lovett takes that argument out of the equation, everyone gets people. No arguments, one less Christmas feud. Okay, great. Georgie. The entire cast of the play that goes wrong um, would be brilliant because there are so many trimmings at Christmas. There is so <laughs> much to get on that plate and you'd literally just be able to put each one of them in charge of something different. Like you're on bread sauce, you're on pigs and blankets, bang, bang, bang. It'd be all come together at the last minute. Great. And then uh, 10 second rebuttal from Tati. There are lots of them, but they're all getting lots of things wrong at the same time. So I don't think it would all come together at the same. Awesome. Mrs. Lovett, no trimmings. Easy. 
Uh, my rebuttal would be that nothing um, zapped the Christmas cheer out of the room like finding a thumb in your Christmas dinner. In your opinion. <laughs> Great. Millie? Oh, that's a really, really hard one now. Okay, so I'm just going to go for the image of those people making that dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good question, Rob. Georgie leaves. Yeah. Leads, I should say, five points Don't to three. Bye, Georgie. Okay, question two. Which show would be improved by a curtain call to All I Want for Christmas? Les Mis or West Side Story? Les Mis. Mis. Tassie. So George is going to be arguing for West Side Story. Uh, I think it's such it's such a depressing play, I think. And also the songs in it are so good. All I Want for Christmas is the best Christmas song. So I think it's in the same, like the same level of brilliance and it will cheer everybody up after a really depressing show. Um, Maria in West Side Story, uh, Mariah um, in All I Want for Christmas is You, should come out on a piano and just belt the fucker out and everyone would stand <laughs> on their feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten second buckle. Well, I mean, I think we have a similar, we've got loads of belters. You've got one belter, we've got loads. You've got your Eponine, you've got the other one. So many belters. So I think if it's a belt off you want, we're bringing the big guns. <laughs> sure. I would just say it's just really not in keeping with any of the spirit of um, Les Mis as um, an epic French revolutionary musical to then whack Mariah Carey on the end of it. Okay, great. Millie? Um, I feel like it won't... I have to go with who I genuinely think argued best. Argued best, not the best answer. Argued best. Tatty then, because they are more belters than they miss. Okay. Ooh, it's getting getting tight at the top. It's five it's to four. Image. Tatty. Georgie, still leading. This question, you can come up with your own answer for. Oh right. no, that's worse. It's the press night of your production of Peter Pan, and the flying rig is broken. What's your next best solution? Uh, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, what, do I go? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my next best solution um, is to make a kind of giant human tower and have someone come in on the top of kind of three person shoulder. Um, yes, yeah. Okay, great. For me, it doesn't matter because I cast the ghost of Patrick Swayze as Peter Pan and he can fly. <laughs> um, rebuttal, um, can you stop fucking bringing the ghost of Patrick Swayze into this co- podcast? He's uncastable, dead, and wouldn't be in the production. I think there's a real risk assessment problem with your Tower of People. If you've got a fight director in to look at that, I think Three. it's a lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> Millie. <laughs> uh, Georgie. Wins. Okay, so it is six to four, which means Tati needs to get these next two right oh, to force a tiebreak. This is a director special, this one. Oh, oh no. Who would direct the better nativity? Ooh. Trevor Nunn or Katie Mitchell? Katie Mitchell. So Tat will be arguing for Trevor Nunn. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Georgie. Um, Katie Mitchell would um, direct an incredibly tense nativity that would be set in like a glass box and it would be meta nativity like we've never seen it before. It would take nativity and it would smash it up onto the ground and um, it would be incredibly feminist, I'm sure, too. 
Okay, great. I think that what you want from nativity is you want comfort, you want you want recognisable things, you want to feel like you know where you are, and I think that's what you get with Trevor Nunn. It's dependable and reliable and everyone's going to have a good time. Lovely. I feel like we've had 2019 years of that, and 2019 is the year to smash nativity I think out of this had, glass box. I think we've had 2019 years really enjoying that. <laughs> <laughs> and why not continue? <laughs> I just use my audience. <laughs> I'm arguing so many things I don't believe in this podcast. <laughs> Do what Bye, you... Georgie. Okay, let's <laughs> You're winner of Two Diffuser Christmas oh. Special, Georgie State. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't want to see Katie Mitchell. <laughs> no, neither do I. I don't want to see Trevor Nunn's. <laughs> let's make our own. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming on Theatre Fuser Christmas Special. It was fantastic to have you. Uh, Georgie, congratulations. Thank you. Um, you. These guys are all fantastic. You should all follow them and all their trials on social media. Uh, <laughs> where can we find you guys? Uh, you, just under my name, Georgie State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, same on Twitter, Tati Hennessy. <laughs> um, yeah, Millie Rollett. I've also got a blog. Oh. Millie, Millie Ponders. Oh, that's um, nice. But I, and I haven't, uh, and I'm going to be making sure I put at least one post a month because at the moment there's only a, once every <laughs> seven years. <laughs> Fantastic. So, yeah. uh, and I'm Rob Ellis, and thank you very much for listening to uh, Theatre Feeds, the Christmas special. We might see you in the new year. We may not. Um, Merry Christmas, one and all. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.